This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hello. So we are continuing our look at uh, some of the great uh, 50-point scorers of all time. Well, actually, in this case, we're doing something a little bit different. We're looking at some of the great scorers of all time who never had 50 points in a game, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun little uh, thing. Yeah, you brought it up uh, in one of our previous episodes that Charles Barkley had never had a 50-point game. And I was like, you're wrong, Jason. That's that's impossible. It's right. Charles Barkley. Of course he's got 50-point games, but he didn't. And he's not alone. There are many other players that uh, did not get 50 points, uh, whether in the regular season or the playoffs. So we're going to dive into those guys. The the surprising ones, the ones that you would say, no, of course no, of course that guy had 50 points. But they didn't somehow, some way. So it's a pretty fun topic here. So it's the opposite of what we've been doing. Instead of talking about 50-point players, we're talking about guys who didn't score 50. So Yes, and Charles did get a 50-point game in the playoffs so he's, he's sort of on here on a technicality but but we'll uh, we'll go with it yeah we're gonna we're gonna dive into some of the top 50 players of all time who might be surprised is dive into some guys who are you know really high on the uh, points per game or on the uh, points all time lists a, a few guys who uh who averaged 30 points in a season but never got 50, you know, we're going to approach it from a few uh, different ways. So I think this is a <coughs> definitely an interesting topic. Um, so we're going to start off with some of the top 50 all-time players and you know, some of the guys who were on that list, you know, like a Wes Unsell, you know, Dave DeBusher, guys like that, you know, not not really big scorers for most of their career. So we're, we're, we're skipping them. We're focusing on the guys who, you know, who had at least 18 points per game average in their careers, you know, some of the, the real top guys. So... Um, uh, first, we're going to look at uh, Paul Arizon, who averaged uh, 22.8 points per game. Was in fact 28th all-time in points per game. Definitely the highest uh, in that category without a 50-point game. Um, and you know, he was, uh, of course, a great Philadelphia Warriors star in the uh, 50s and in the 60s. His career high, he fell one short, uh, 49 points. Oh. Yes. February 17th, 1961, played against Boston, 22 of 37 from the field, 5 of 6 the free throw line. Uh, missed by one point, and the Warriors lost by uh, five points as well to the uh, Celtics in there. Um, but he, he wasn't, like, super prolific in 40-point games. He had six in the regular season, two in the playoffs. I kind of would have naturally thought that he may have had more, but... 
you know, looking at his career, he played a lot of it with other big scorers, you know, starting with Joe Folks and then Neil Johnston. And then, uh, of course, toward the end of his career, Wilt Chamberlain. And the early part of his career was pre-shot clock, so not a huge scoring era. So, you know, with those caveats, it kind of makes sense. But, you know, the fact that he didn't, you know, get just one, although, again, came very, very close, slightly surprising. No, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I, I'm surprised at an initial when you, when you look at the, the point per game and, and the name and where he is, you know, all time in the ranks. But yeah, it's not super, super surprising, uh, th- that, that he's not on there, but still an initial kind of like sticker shock for a Paul Ayers. And you're like, oh, really? No, okay. Uh, and, and once you kind of look at the numbers, it does make sense. But yeah, one, one away does kind of stink though. It's like, ah, yeah. it's just one, <laughs> you know, right. just one, one free throw. It would have been just enough. But, uh, the next guy on the list, speaking of sticker shock, uh, maybe, uh, Magic Johnson, uh, 19.5 points per game, a career high of 46 points. He did that December 23rd, 1986 against Sacramento. Uh, a decent little game for uh, old Magic Johnson. He had 46 points, 9 assists, 10 rebounds. So uh, pretty good. Uh, he was also 17 of 36 in the field, but he just could not get to the 50. Um, Magic Johnson has six regular season 40-point games and four playoff 40-point um, games. And now this is kind of interesting. Magic Johnson has 22 20-plus assist games in his career. So obviously, it makes a little bit more sense that Magic Johnson would be a guy who would rack up more uh, raw assist numbers than he would scoring numbers. Uh, but still, the, the, the difference between those I think was still pretty remarkable uh, as well. And as far as uh, surprising, um, maybe an initial sticker shock, as I said, with Magic Johnson. But then it's, it's you know, if you know Magic Johnson's game, it, it makes sense. I mean, he was playing with guys like Kareem and Worthy, and it's Magic Johnson. He was more into passing, and he had more assist, you know, big, gaudy assist totals uh, than he did uh, uh, scoring totals as well. Still, you would have thought that maybe once or twice, maybe early in his career, he would have been able to put up 50. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, 46 uh, was the highest he did. And that's kind of a little bit later in his career, too, in 1986 as well. So, uh, yeah, not so super surprising, but still uh, enough where you're kind of like, oh, yeah, really, huh, Magic Johnson, no 50-point games, okay. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm actually slightly more surprised that his scoring average was as high in his career. You know, I, I would have thought of him as more, I don't know, like in the – 16, 17 range, maybe the 19.5 points per game, but right, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he averaged 21.6 points per game in his final five seasons, full seasons, not not counting the 96 uh, comeback. So, I mean, he was um, a bigger scorer more toward later in his career, which makes sense as, you know, his Kareem was uh, winding down, you know, there was still Worthy and Byron Scott and, you know, my, well, Michael Cooper wasn't much of a scorer, but, you know, there were other Lakers who, of course, you know, were scoring the ball at a, you know, fairly, uh, you know, high rate, Worthy, of course, you know, being the most prominent example. So, yeah, it's more like he was definitely a player who obviously he was one of the more talented players in NBA history. So he certainly could have. But you, know, given the style of game that he had, it is um, it's it's less surprising. But I, and I, in contrast to the next guy, I think is interesting to me because Isaiah Thomas, um, 19.2 points per game in his career, actually less than Magic Johnson. And, and I think of Isaiah for some reason as, as a more of a scorer than, uh, than Magic. Um, and, but you dive into the numbers and that's not really the case. I mean, his career high was 47 points, which was that famous, um, December 13th, 1983 game against Denver. It was the, uh, the three overtime game where the final score was 186 to 184, which is the highest scoring game in NBA history. Um, and then, you know, in his career, only 11 40-point games, which which kind of shocked me. One of them was in the playoffs. It was game six of the 88 finals, that, that famous game where he had the, uh, you know, the, the severe ankle injury and was, you know, basically hopping on one leg and, you know, scoring like crazy. Um, and then followed that with uh, only 10 points in a heartbreaking game seven loss against the uh, the Lakers. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, Richard, do you have a similar thought for him or is, is, were you, is this kind of more in line with what you were thinking? 
No, I always thought he was a little bit more of a scorer, uh, to be honest, especially the early part of his career before really the, the, the bad boys thing. And we've talked about that a lot in the show is that, you know, the, the idea is that, oh, it's, you know, Detroit and they just slow it down. And but they were not that. I mean, they were a team that was up and down the court and scoring a bunch. It wasn't until the later years when they had to kind of muck it up a little bit and, and, and do those sort of things. So I would have thought for sure. Yeah, maybe not in the late 80s that Isaiah would have had 50, but at some point in those early 80s that he would have definitely put up 50 on, on, on a team that that desperately needed someone to score and someone to produ- you know produce for them. And, and Isaiah was that guy. So, no, I'm shocked that 47 is as high as he got and that I would have thought for sure that he had slipped a 50 point game in there at some point, uh, but never did, which no. So I, I was definitely taken aback by that because I, I thought he was a better scorer uh, in terms of more prolific score. I should say not better scorer because obviously he's a very good scorer. But like, yeah, as you said, sort of prolific score, a guy that could easily put up 50 uh, or, or, you know, put up 50 in, in, in some games. But yeah. Very right. shocked that he never did that. Yeah, I, I think it, for me, it's even like the the lack of forty point games, uh, which is, is kind of the surprise uh, to me. And, yeah, right, right, right. And interestingly, three of those came during a five week stretch uh, near the end of the ninety three season, where they were chasing a playoff spot, and they fin- in fact they finished only one game behind the Pacers that year, which is kind of truly the end of the you know the bad boys being a relevant team, um, and. Yeah, the, the fact that he did not have more of them early on in his career, but you know, again, you, you I think you what you talked about was exactly relevant. Where on the early '80s, they were much more of a fast-paced, high-scoring team, and later on, of course, they slowed down, you know, and became more defensive-minded, and you know, the, the, truly the bad boys team. But you know, even early on in his career, he played with um, a lot of players who took a decent number of shots. I mean, Kelly Tribuca. Uh, John Long had a couple years where he was, you know, pretty prolific scorer. You know, Bill Ambeer came in early enough. He took a lot of shots. Vinnie Johnson off the bench, but still was, you know, a guy. He wasn't called the microwave for, you know, lack of a reason. He he was he was shooting those shots. <laughs> and then later on, you know, Joe Dumars, you know, Adrian Dantley came in for Tripuka, and then later and Marco Guerra came in for Dantley. So, you know, there were a, a decent number of guys who were taking, you know, quite a few shots during that time. So he definitely was, you know, on teams where even when they weren't good, he was still sharing the ball with guys who were taking, you know, a uh, quite a few shots so i i guess in that right, sense right, yeah right. I mean, it, it does make some sense um but yeah i mean the fact that he was definitely a guy who i think was a threat to score 50 uh, you know almost any game especially around his career and the fact that he you know kind of uh didn't do that I, I think is is interesting our next guy here walt clyde frazier 18.9 career points per game career high though of only 44 points into that november 2nd 1973 against the lakers i uh, went for 44 seven rebounds five assists and six steals so uh, quite the good game for old walt there uh 20 28 from the field and a perfect four of four from the free throw line uh yeah no uh no 50 point games here uh, 40 point game wise uh five in the regular season and zero in the playoffs though we had two games of 38 uh one very notable one came on uh, march 31st uh, 1977 this is a regular season a 40-point game. He had 41 points, 7 rebounds, 11 assists, and 6 steals and a 135-131 win over the Pacers. Uh, Bob McAdoo on that same game also had 30, 11, 6, and 3. Uh, Frazier only had 6 more games as a Nick uh, after this. They won 5 of their last 6 to finish 40 and 42, uh, but were 3 games behind Cleveland for the playoff spot, and then that was it for his career. So he came out with a little bit of a bang there. Uh, but yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on, on the surprising... I mean, the 50, I, I don't know if I'm shocked by that, but I'm shocked by the lack of 40-point games in his career. Yeah, it's another one kind of like Isaiah where I, I thought of him a little bit more as a scorer. Um, I, I think it's less surprising to me that you know, because, uh, you know, he was playing – I mean, the Knicks were really famous for being, you know, well-balanced team with a lot of guys who were right, averaging, right, yeah. you know, 15 to 20 points a game. You know, you got Willis Reed, you got Dave DeBusher, you got Dick Barnett, you, you know, even Bill Bradley, you know, would usually take, you know, 12 shots a game or so. Uh, then later, you know, Jerry Lucas and, and Monroe. And as he got older, you know, Haywood comes in, McAdoo comes in. Um, 
uh, you know, I, I, so, so yeah, I, I guess it makes sense once you think about the context. Um, but yeah, it's a, a fairly low amount of forty point games, you know, given what I would have thought. Yeah, in that last game, it's interesting. Yeah, he was. It was only two days after he turned thirty two years old, and you know, the fact that it was so, um, you know, toward the end of his Knicks career, he did play a few years in in Cleveland. Although I think he didn't play a lot in Cleveland because of injuries. So, um, yeah, I mean, he wasn't that old at that point, but, uh, that was yeah. his, fr- and it's best. We just ignore the Cleveland wall Frazier run too. Well, you know what I mean? Like, like some of the Jordan wizards, it's probably just best if we just probably not, but no, yeah. he's, he was a little bit better. Not he a was a little of, bit better than Jordan on the wizards. Yeah. But, or well, no, probably not. Yeah. Right. I, I think we think of the Jordan on the wizards as more embarrassing than it actually was, but yeah, it actually wasn't that bad. I remember watching a few of those games. and I'm like, Oh, he's all right. Like he's a little fatter. And right. It's not very athletic, but yeah, but he's good. He's putting up numbers, you know, that's so I guess. Yeah. It, I think it's just a embarrassing because it's like oh man like, do, why are you doing right. this man but he's still yeah. like fine he was still pretty good so yeah um yeah so that 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 one um stood out to me a little bit so yeah and i think going into the category of other guys who are on the all-time points per game list this is i, I think the surprise for these guys is a little bit more the, the fact that they were higher on the points per game list than i expected them to be but um interesting look at these guys the first is mitch richmond who is 43rd all-time points per game at yeah uh, what the hell at 21 <laughs> points per game and he's actually 45th all-time in, in in all-time points so you know and he, what the hell no he's not no that's all fake yeah. that's not true <laughs> like mitch richmond really like great player good career but i would have never if you told me a gun to my head i don't know why you're putting a gun to my head no, for something so trivial as no. this jason right. but if you were like hey is mitch richmond in top 50 points all time i would say no and then of course you could do whatever you wanted with that but um no, that what? Yeah, <laughs> I just I never would have expected him there. Yeah, it's more the I wouldn't have, not have thought he would have the longevity to be that high in right. In, in yeah, po- yeah, total points. I mean, the points per game. I guess, like again, he's sort of just a guy who gets a little bit overlooked because he played so much of his uh, career with the Kings, who were not good uh, during that time. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and I think of him is like more of like a steady scorer than like a prolific scorer. You know that that that's sort mm-hmm. of where yeah. I you know you know put him on there. Um, you know, the fact that he had, uh, I mean, he had 47 points twice in his career. Once was in uh, December 95 against Houston, where he had 47, uh, seven assists, six rebounds, four steals, and another in 89 when he was with the Warriors against Sacramento, his future team, 47 points, nine rebounds. So, um, you know, he had nine regular season 40 point games, which again, probably another that he had fewer than I would have expected in there. Um, he, in the playoffs, he, didn't have any, but in fairness to him, how often were the Kings in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, so, when you play a majority of your career in Sacramento, not a lot of playoff uh, appearances. So, yeah. That's- yeah. Uh, yeah. To me, he was, you know, like he certainly was carrying the load of scoring on, you know, those those bad to mediocre Kings teams. But, you know, he's kind of the guy who I think is more the type where he had like a lot of like 20 to 25 point efforts in his career, but rarely right. had the super big scoring binges. And then, you know, early on, you know, he's sharing the ball with, you know, Hardaway and Mullen. So um, you, you're not going to have a lot of 50 point games in that context. Yeah, and he's playing in an era too that's not really known for scoring explosions too. You know, he's uh, playing in the mid a majority of his career. You know, I mean, obviously you have the early '90s where he's with the Warriors, and they're you know a pretty prolific scoring team. But you know, he's playing a lot of the mid to late '90s, which you kind of assume that like, yeah, you know, even your best scorers are getting thirty. You know, maybe sometimes forty or whatnot. But you don't assume that like he was able to rack up as many things to get up as high as he was in the all time points. So right. And then another one, uh, Glenn Robinson, who uh, 48th in points per game, tied for that mark with 20.69, which kind of shocked me in, in one sense because I think of, yeah, I don't know, I guess he didn't do a lot other than score in his career. I mean, he was a good, good player, but, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, it was it was a little higher than I would have expected. Just not, not a name you, you, you think of, I guess, off the top of your 
my head, you know, just like a solid player, but nothing kind of better than that. But yeah, his career high, um, 45 points in February 25th, 2001 against the Warriors, kind of late on in his career, I guess. Uh, I guess he was like late 20s at that point, but uh, 45.7 assists, 18 to 27 from the field. So nice, efficient uh, game from the, uh, the big dog. Um, and then, yeah, five regular season 40 point games. Um, Zero in the playoffs. Uh, not didn't even get thirty in the um, in the playoffs uh, during his career. Of course, didn't make the playoffs until his fifth season. By then, he's playing with Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, and Tim Thomas. So you know, not a lot of shots uh, go- going on there. Um, I don't know how surprising is this one uh, to you, Rich? A little bit because again, it's era dependent too. I don't think of many guys in the '90s being as 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 prolific of scores uh, enough. Like you know, there's obviously your top top tier guys or whatever, but Glenn Robinson doesn't strike me as like a, a prolific prolific enough uh, 50 point score. So I'm not totally surprised that he's not. But also, you would assume because some of those early years in Milwaukee where they were not a very good team prior to Ray Allen going in there, prior to you know uh, Tim Thomas coming in, that that they needed somebody to score. I would have thought he would have maybe racked up one or two. Uh, in that early part of his career, but he did not. And then, of course, as you said, uh, later in his career, he became sort of a uh, uh, not, not I don't want to say a role player because it was kind of, but like they were spreading the ball a lot more there. And the successful Milwaukee teams when Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, you know, Tim, th- those guys were a little bit more well-rounded. So so they didn't need, you know, one guy to score a bunch for them. So I would assume that he maybe have gotten one earlier in his career. But uh, have, you know, him not doing that, I don't think I'm I'm I'm, I'm floored that he's not, uh, you know, I, I'm not super, super surprised that he's not in there. But uh, I am surprised he is as high in points per game as he is though that that definitely gets me and it might be because his career didn't really last all that much longer because you know he did get hurt and i think he was out of the league by what you know 31 32 i want to say right uh, he was out of the league because you know i think he did that last year in san antonio uh and he was out so maybe if he had like a few more years as kind of a hanger on he wouldn't be there but uh no still kind of surprised he's in the top 50 of points per game but not not totally floored that he's not uh that he didn't have a 50 point game right so. yeah i mean he's kind of someone like i would have thought of him like as someone like in the jim jackson jamal mashburn mold who just kind of would have yeah got a random right. one in the mid 90s you know thanks to the uh you know, the shorter three-point line might have benefited him for a while, but you know, as you talked about, obviously he plays a lot of his career where the the league is is getting a lot slower in the late '90s and early 2000s, and the Bucks, you know, relative to the you know the team, they were you know pretty slow to you know middle of the road pace team for you know most of his time there, and you know early on he had Vin take Vin Baker uh, you know taking shots there, and then um yeah as we talked about you know Allen and Cassell coming in when the Bucks finally got good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's playing with like Mike Dunleavy as his coach and he, right. he played pretty notoriously slow. And then obviously the George Carl years, Carl's not really known, especially in Milwaukee for being a very <laughs> up and down the floor uh, type of guy either. So yeah, that's uh, interesting that, that he didn't, uh, didn't at least get one random one there in the early nineties. But uh, yeah. Yeah. No. So uh, looking at guys who had more than uh, 30 points per game in the season, there are there are 33 players who have done that. We're not going to name all of them here, but um, <laughs> right now, here we go. But all suffice right. to say, uh, out of the 33, only two of them have not had a 50 point game, which which is a, a relative, you know, which is a um, uh, obviously small amount. You know, that, and obviously, if you're going to average 30 points per game in a season, you're going to be pretty good at scoring. So there are only two on that list who have uh, not. And uh one of them is Walt Bellamy, who averaged 31.6 points per game in the 62 season. He is also 41st in uh, all time in, uh, in in points, uh, total points in uh, NBA history. So um, had a prolific scoring career, but it was very much um, early on in his career where he did a lot of his scoring. And then he slowed down as as the uh, as the things moved on. Um 
His career high, two times 48 points. Uh, the first was in January of 62 against the Lakers, where he had 48 and 14. The second time was December uh, 4th and 62, also versus the Lakers, where he had 48 and 29. Uh, quite an exceptional uh, game there. Um, in terms of his total career, he had 27 uh, 40 point games. All of them were in the regular season. In the playoffs, he. Uh, Never actually had a 30-point game, uh, but twice he had 29. Of course, didn't get into playoffs much early on in his career. It wasn't really until later in his career where he was more of a supporting player, where he was uh, getting those opportunities. Um, And Bellamy had 15 games of uh, 40-plus points and 20-plus rebounds, uh, which is obviously really, really impressive, but really not fair that he somehow did not manage to get 50-plus during his career. But... If you look at um, his career, 21 of those 27 40-plus games came in during his uh, first three seasons of the league where he was a Packer, a Zephyr, and then a Bullet, all with the same franchise but three different names. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so so kind of weird stuff there. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked, though, especially giving, given how much he, he, he scored in that season, the 1962 season, which, of course, you know, we will have an episode all about that, you know, that time period where, you know, everybody scored 50, <laughs> you know, well, not everybody, but Walt did it a lot. Yeah. But, you know, there was 59, you know, 50 point games that season and, and Walt scored well that season. Obviously, he, you know, <laughs> got on board with the, the scoring outburst, but never got to 50, which is just kind of nuts. 48, uh, two times that kind of stinks to, to be that close. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I am. I'm definitely surprised by that. Not not because, you know, I, I, I think of Walt Bellamy as, you know, well, just at that year, like being as good of a score in that season is just not that he didn't get to 50. So I, I'm definitely surprised by that one. Yeah. Well, the fact that he was that prolific uh, during the highest paced era in history and fell just short is yeah, kind of a yeah, yeah. kind of a weird metaphor for his entire career. I mean, like he was like really, really <laughs> good and you know, an excellent player, but, um, you know, like kind of just fell short of uh, greatness. Um you know, in, in most, but I mean, he's all of famer. So, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't want to uh, disparage him too much. He was really, really good, but it was, it was kind of like one of those kind of vexing guys during his career where it was like one of those, like, why isn't this guy better type things, you know, um, a, a little bit, I don't know, like, is DeMarcus Cousins maybe a good uh, example of, you know, it, that was more team success than individual play. But um, anyway, it's sort of an interesting uh, character and interesting career for sure. Sure. Absolutely. And then we'll be free. Uh, this one, he's he's a really interesting one because he. I, I was kind of shocked that he averaged uh, thirty points in a season, even though you know obviously he had a reputation for being a really good scorer. Yeah, so he averaged uh, thirty point two in the nineteen eighty season, which uh, yeah, again seems a little odd because you know good score, but you don't think of him necessarily as like a dude putting up thirty <laughs> in a season. But I uh, did, and uh, two times he got very very close to fifty, uh, forty nine points. The first one February second, nineteen seventy nine versus Denver. Uh, he had forty nine points, six rebounds, and four assists. Uh, and then the second one, December sixteenth, nineteen seventy nine versus Detroit. He had forty nine points. So uh, as far as forty point games, sixteen in the regular season, uh, zero in the playoffs. Uh, 32 is his playoff high. But uh, yeah, I mean, how surprising is it? You know, until we realize that he averaged 30.2 in a season, maybe not that surprising, even though he had a reputation of, of having a lot of good scoring games. I said 16, 40 point games, two times 49 points. So he came very, very, very close. But uh, yeah, I, I, he's interesting on the surprising scale because 
I initially wouldn't be surprised, but then knowing, of course, like you said, that he had 30 plus in, in, in a season, I'm like, oh, yeah, why didn't you get 50 in that season? Like, you should have, but I uh, didn't. So uh, definitely a, a weird one where you kind of go, uh, it kind of ebbs and flows in terms of how surprised I am uh, by World Be Free being on this list. Yeah, and from 79 to 86 seasons, he averaged 24.7 points per game. So it wasn't just that one season. I mean, that was obviously exceptionally high, but he, I mean, he was averaging, you know, fairly big scoring totals for, for quite a while. So, I mean, he had a relatively, not quite a short career. I mean, he played until he was 34, but he um, he didn't obviously didn't have the same career as most of the players did uh, who are on, you know, some of the all-time great uh, players and all-time great scorers who are on that, you know, 30, who averaged that number. In fact, he's uh, the only player on this list to um, av- who's, you know, average 30 points per game in a season who is either not a Hall of Famer or not a definite future Hall of Famer like, you know, a Kobe, a LeBron, a Curry, a Westbrook, a Dwayne Wade. You know, all those guys are on that list and they're obviously going to be in the Hall of Fame. Everyone else who's retired is is in the Hall of Fame. The the last one, um, in fact, the only one who had not been on there was Charlie Scott, who was added uh, last year. So, um, you know, it, it is and I, I find it very, very unlikely he's going to make the Hall of Fame. So he was, you know, only a one time all star, you know, didn't have a lot of team success you know was just more like a cult favorite like you know and, and again he would have been kind of a guy who i would have thought of as like more like a jamal crawford um who i but i think he was you know a more prolific lead scorer in his career than even jamal crawford was because jamal crawford was more you know, he had kind of a shorter period where he was the kind of the lead scorer for some like bad knicks teams and and bulls teams and stuff but he yeah, spent right, the right. majority of his career as a you know hey, now you watch your mouth no <laughs> 2001 I, I, Chicago I, bulls how dare you I, I'm no, they won like 12 games you're I, right I'm they're sorry. terrible I, I enjoy that right. team, but they're terrible i mean so. I, I you know i love jamal crawford as, as you know you know patron state <laughs> yeah. of the show but um, you know, he was more like a, you know, he was a prolific per minute scorer, but he was more in a reduced role on good teams for a large amount of his career. You know, Clippers, Hawks, you know, some teams that were, you know, fairly good playoff teams rather than, you know, and, and or before he had early on in his career where he was more limited in that role in Philly and then spent the rest of his career, you know, with the Clippers, the Warriors, the Cavs, you know, being a big scorer on, you know, some bad and mediocre teams, you know, in in his career. So. For sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then the next one, uh, Kevin Garnett, a really interesting one. He's 20th all time in points. So we're looking at some guys who were all time, you know, points leaders, mostly because, you know, they played for a long time and they were great players, but not primarily thought of as scores. But he was 135th in points per game. Um, and like on one level, like Garnett isn't necessarily like a guy who I think of. I mean, I think of him as just such a complete player. Great defender, great rebounder, you know, um, did everything well, great passer, you know, and not a guy who's necessarily going to be, you know, primarily number one and absolute scorer is more complete player. But he only had his career high was 47 against the uh, Suns in January 4th, 2005. He was 47 points, 17 rebounds. But he only had four 40 point games in his career, um, which is just really, you know, the fact that he was. You know, the, the fact that he didn't score 50, not a huge surprise, but the fact that he had so few 40-point games despite carrying the scoring load for those, you know, those Wolves teams that were not, you know, particularly good teams in the late 90s and early 2000s or certainly didn't have like a, you know, really good complimentary score until we get kind of, you know, into the Sam Cassell and, you know, Spreewell and, you know, le- to a lesser extent, Wally Zerbiak teams. I You know, that, that was kind of the surprising thing to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I was stunned that 
that he was on this list. And it stunned even more that, that he only had those 40, you know, point games, only four 40 point games to me, like, especially you talk about those early days where it made sense. Like, yeah, they needed somebody to score. And like, but then even then I was like, even more surprising is that, you know, the year he wins the MVP, obviously it's a much better Wolves team. You have, you know, Cassell coming in and Spreeball coming in or whatnot. But I mean, he was, he was awesome. He was, you know, an MVP of the league. And then they were facing some pretty high powered offensive teams too. You would assume that like in one of those Mavericks games in one of the Sacramento Kings games and one of the, you know, he's starting to play again against those guys like even like you know in a few years he's going to be against the Suns uh the Steve Nash D'Antoni Suns or whatever that he didn't somehow sneak you know more 40 point games or maybe a 50 point game in in one of those games just shocks me like I was just like really that never like that's that it's just yeah it, it is strange he did get his career high 47 against that those sort of Phoenix Suns or whatever he had 47 and 17 but the fact that he just couldn't get three more and, and that he didn't do it against the Sacramento or against the Dallas uh of those era too just I, I was shocked I was stunned that that he was so so few 40 point games too you know even more than just the the, the 50 points is, is nuts yeah well i guess terrell brandon was just taking too many shots away from uh, i guess so yeah maybe know? marbury really yeah that's that's why they oh yeah, well, yeah there was marbury. Break up the marbury thing yeah, yeah right? i didn't <laughs> i didn't think about marbury but yeah absolutely that you know he was at least a couple of years that that may have been a factor but yeah it's it's really uh that one was maybe among the more surprising ones uh to me on this list but uh, so next we have Artist Gilmore, um, who is 27th all time in points and 103rd in points per game. Um, you know, and he kind of had, obviously, he has his for his early you know ABA career where I, I think he's he's scoring more, and then later on in the NBA where he's um, playing less and um, and not scoring quite as much. But I, I think a really interesting uh, career because you know he's near the top 100 in points per game and. The fact he's so high on this list, and even though I don't think of him as prolific score, it, 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 it's just an interesting. Like I'm not necessarily surprised, but I think it's just sort of interesting to look at where he ranks in the numbers and where he ranks in reputation, and, and kind of looking at some of his career highs. Yeah, I'm not stunned that he didn't get it in in the NBA. I, I am shocked though that he didn't get it in the ABA, though. I felt like you know he was such you know maybe not as you said like the the, the person we would consider like a you know a. A super prolific scorer, but like in the ABA and him being, you know, as powerful as he was and as good as he was in that time period, too. It, it's shocking that he only had 45, you know, that was his career high in the ABA, but it took two overtimes to do that. So, right. um, yeah, and, and he, he destroyed the Utah Stars so much that they got, they, they went away two days later. So that's great. They were so dis, dis, <laughs> discouraged by yes. uh, Artis Gilmore putting up 45 in that. But I, I'm stunned that, yeah, like maybe not the NBA. Like I get it. You know, he comes in the NBA now. He's sort of, I don't want to say the tail end of his career, but at least the, the, the downslope of his. His peak is kind of coming into the, you know, when he's coming to the NBA, you know, he gets 42 as his career high uh, in the NBA, March 18th, 1977 against the uh, Kansas City Kings. Uh, and yeah, this is the, you know, he was uh, a member of the Bulls uh, at this point too. And like, they were, you know, not the greatest Bulls team ever. They were kind of on a little bit of a mini run here and he was their leader. So maybe he gets a 50 point game at, at some point in there, but I'm more, I'm more surprised that he never did in the ABA more so than the NBA and, and actually 40 point game totals as well. Same amount in the ABA and the NBA is three in the ABA, uh, one in the playoffs and three total in the NBA. So I, you know, again, like the NBA, not stunned the ABA. I would have thought he maybe had gotten a little bit more 40 point games and then maybe a more, you know, a 50 point game. Uh, in there as well. So yeah, a little, a little shocking, but he was, as you said, more of a kind of a complete player uh, who was able to kind of do things all over the court and, you know, affect the game in many different ways than just scoring, but still you would have thought maybe, maybe, maybe a 50 point game in there somewhere. Yeah. And he was more like a super efficient score on, on a relatively low volume. Yeah. Like, like he was taking, you know, like later in his career, um, you know, later in the bulls years and then in the, in the Spurs years, you know, he's, he's leading the league in field goal percentage, you know, by a wide margin, he's making like 
65% of his shots over like four seasons, but he's taking like, you know, 10, 11 a game or so. Uh, but, but during this point, I mean, 77 was kind of a, a, a dip for him. Like, you know, in the ABA, he was averaging, you know, around 20 or so points a game. In fact, the previous season, he'd average almost 25. This year, he's down to 18.6. Um, I don't know if some of that is, you know, kind of changing role on a on a Bulls team, even though the Bulls were not particularly a good team. And they had kind of a weird season, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um the average he does he's kind of more of the go-to score a little bit over 78 and 79 um he, he he's up to like 22 23 points per game at that point but this year is, is sort of a notable dippy this is the only year uh, for quite a while he's not an all-star um you know he's he's an all-star most of the first uh you know 12 years of his career one year because of injury and this year was the only full season where he didn't do that but yeah the this year was really interesting for the bulls because they started two and fourteen that year, and they were twenty four and thirty four at one point before they finished the season twenty and fourteen, and gave the Blazers that year the Bill Walton Blazers a really tough you know two one series loss. They they ended up losing the game, but but gave them a tough uh, fight. And this was um, a mid and eight game winning streak that put the team at five hundred for the first time. This game, this game, in fact, they were at five hundred for the first time. And and Gilmore in this game was forty two fifteen and nine with four blocks and and held uh, Sam Lacey the Kings center to 0 of 6 on for zero points in this game so um yeah i mean so definitely a um a symbol of his uh, dominance but and you know the scoring was definitely a part of that but um yeah i i don't know it's it's interesting and i I do think that you know whether the fact that his point totals went down in the nba was a fact okay he's playing better centers in the nba than in the aba because i think one thing that the nba definitely had the superior you know throughout even when the aba had you know really good talent you know those later years i think the centers still were quite a bit better in the nba or you know again maybe something in the team role that had a factor in that but definitely interesting yeah for sure and next we have the chief, Robert Parrish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, Rowe, only 14.5 points per game. Now, he did play forever. Um, <laughs> he that, played for 37 seasons. Right. So, I mean. Yes, he played till he was like 84 years old. So so, so, <laughs> yeah. so, we, so we get it. But, um, you know, 32nd all-time in points. Um, but, you know, relatively only one 40-point uh, uh, game in, in his career. That, that surprised me maybe a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, career high forty points. Uh, that was February seventeenth, nineteen eighty one, versus uh, San Antonio. This is a member of the Celtics uh, as well, and I should do that little breakdown as well because Parrish he has eight uh, thirty plus point games as a member of the Warriors, and then forty four as a member of the Celtics. So I, I, I bumped it. I bumped it back down to thirty points to see if, like, hey, you know, during those Warriors years, was he a little bit more of a scorer? Because obviously he's not sharing the ball with you know Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and and a bunch of other very talented players. But you know, there's still some talented players on the Warriors. But no, uh, he had eight thirty plus point games as a Warrior, and then forty four as a member the Celtics so he was a more prolific score on the Celtics but still none you know uh, to, to get all the way to the 40 or 50 mark so yeah only one in the regular season uh, zero in the playoffs his career high was uh, 33 May 5th 1982 uh, versus the Bullets so um surprising not really I mean he's playing with Bird McHale so not too much his peak point per game 19.9 so he never really was a huge score on any single level and then as you said in Golden State he was playing with Joe Barry Carroll uh, you know Phil Smith you know Phil Smith Jamal Wilkes uh, Purvis Short came in a little bit later and those guys were, were known for putting up pretty big numbers yeah. uh, and Parrish really kind of wasn't because there was just so many other things that he could kind of do uh, on the court as well and affect the game in a lot of ways so he's not too surprising for me I don't think that I was totally stunned that Robert Parrish didn't uh, didn't get 50. 
Yeah. Uh, quick correction there. That that would be Rick Barry, not Joe Barry. Oh, sorry, Rick Barry. Yeah, he it's was not traded. Joe Barry. I, I'm sure that Rick Barry would appreciate you know being uh, compared to Joe Barry. Grow, <laughs> right. yeah. Basically, the same amount of effort level right. on any given point. The, so. the notorious, uh, notoriously understanding and forgiving Rick Barry, I'm sure would uh, would appreciate that. Yeah. Um, now Parrish, before he turned 40, averaged 16. Point two points per game. Yeah, he had four seasons afterward where he uh, played after he turned forty. So, um, you you take those out. the The points per game is, is slightly higher, but yeah, but yes. Again, like basically, like he had a lot of years where he averaged kind of somewhere between, uh, you know, seventeen to nineteen points per game, but was never you know really over the uh, top there. Including at uh, yeah, age thirty five, he averaged eighteen point six point per game uh you know was he had good numbers man he 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 was a good like he was rarely a you know a great player i guess but he was a a really good player for a really long time he's, he's got yeah. definitely mm-hmm. interesting um career there um and then next we have gary payton uh 38th all-time in points a uh, 16.3 uh, points per game um and his a uh, career high 44 points on uh, march 4th 2001 against uh minnesota now was that was that as a buck or was that as a um but that was still as a Sonic because he got traded think, the next year, right? Yeah, yeah, last year as a Sonic, I believe, or, or second to last year. I forget if it was the last year or the second to last year. No, he is still super Sonic at this point, but uh, the days are, are definitely numbered. Yes, yeah. Uh, for him on that, go. but so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, the link you searched, uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the link that you shared there, unfortunately, came up a uh, basketball reference uh, went buggy at me, so I couldn't look it up right at the uh, very moment. Oh, but, sorry. Yeah. But yes, he, but I, don't, I don't believe it's your fault. I believe we blame basketball reference for uh, this one. But, <laughs> oh, poor Sean. I mean, I know. I mean, I, you know, I love basketball reference. I'm not trying <laughs> just to just add him. Just add him. All right. If you're yeah. Gonna... <laughs> you know, it was it was 03 when that or the yeah, 03 season when that trade happened. So this that would have been okay, after yes. So, um, yes. So he had. Uh, 76 three plus point games six 40 plus point games um yeah you know he's another one i think he's right like kind of in that isaiah class where he's probably a little bit more of a dynamic scorer than um he's given credit for um he also had a kind of a slow scoring start to his career i mean you know his first two seasons he's you know at like seven nine points per game it, it doesn't mm-hmm. really kind of you know if you look at really like his prime years like you know if you look around from like age 24 to age 35 he averaged 19.7 points per game so that would be i i think that you know he just kind of had a weird time frame where he was more of a lesser you know um didn't play as much and, and wasn't hadn't did have a big scoring role until a little bit later on and then you know he had a number of years where he's just kind of hanging on to his career but if you look at his peak years almost 20 points per game so um yeah, the fact they never quite made it there is a little bit of a surprise, but um, you know, probably more prolific of a scorer than his reputation, just because he was such a complete player, a little bit like of a guard version of um, Kevin Garnett, where he did so many things so well. He's just such a great defensive player that you know the scoring he he could do it, but it was definitely not like the primary part of his game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think I'm not surprised that he didn't have a 50 point game and I'm probably not surprised that he didn't have a bunch of 40 point games, but I'm surprised at how many 30 plus point games. He has. Is, that, is right. that like, does that make sense? Like, I'm surprised he has his, because I would think of him as like a guy who, you know, tops out at, you know, 20, 25, you know, the, but he's got a bunch of 30 point games, you know, 36, 30 plus point games, but not that many 40 and not that many 50, which I think, I don't know. I, I'm kind of surprised that it, he, he had as many of those kind of scoring outbursts as he, as he did, because I don't necessarily think of him uh, as that sort of score. But like you said, that early part of his career, he wasn't, but then he became a pretty decent scorer, pretty oh, decent yeah. all around scorer, uh, you know, right. later in those Sonics years. Uh, then, of course, until, you know, the final days of his, <laughs> his career and you know Boston and LA which you know we don't really have to talk about those cuz you know that's fine but uh yeah no I'm 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 kind of surprised by that but uh, not surprised that he's not on the 50 point game uh scale I should say right right yes so um and then 
a couple more who are sort of noteworthy technicalities, but but I, I think should slightly surprising that they you know didn't score fifty in certain contexts. And the first one, as we talked about, Charles Barkley uh, averaged twenty two point one points per game. Um, is, and again, we as we said, he had. 56 points once in the playoffs, but never had a regular season 50-point game. He was the one who uh, who sparked this entire conversation thanks to uh, Snap Wilson's <laughs> t- tweet to us about this. So, um, yeah, so so in terms of the 40-point games, he has quite a few of those uh, and, and some interesting ones if you look deep in, in there. Absolutely, yeah. So his career-high regular season, he had 47, as, as you mentioned, February 9th, 1988. I uh, went for 47 and 15. Uh, he's still a member of the Philadelphia 76ers at that point. Uh, also had another 47 in the playoffs. So Charles really steps it up in the playoffs there. Uh, May yeah. 2nd, 1995. It would have, uh, you, you kind of think of him as, you know, sort of slowing down a little bit, but still, 1995, still putting up big numbers. 47 and 11 versus Portland uh, in the playoffs. And then he has 26 40-point po- uh, games on his career as well. So never a 50 in the regular season, about some real gaudy, you know, playoff numbers and uh, yeah, uh, some pretty solid all around games, you know, but you just never could get to that 50 plateau uh, in the regular season, but still 26, uh, 40 plus point games. So still a, a great score, but yeah, probably the, one of the bigger surprises that he just never was able to kind of get over that hump and get to 50 uh, in a game. Yes. And he, he did have, as you mentioned, five of them in the playoffs, all worth the suns. In fact, um, and, uh, and yeah, and, Three of them were uh, in the uh, two of them were in the playoffs against the Sonics, and one, of course, was in the uh, was in the finals. I believe it was that uh, I believe it was the triple overtime game where he uh, he yes, got the forty two yep. in that one. So yeah, um, and then yeah, another one who's a big surprise is Julius Irving. Now he this is just in the NBA. He had four fifty point games in the ABA, but in the NBA he never had um, fifty point game, which which is a big surprise for me. I mean his. Uh, Points per game overall was 24.2, only 22.0 in the NBA, which puts him right below Barkley and, and Paul Arizon in terms of the highest number of points per game on this list. Um, but yes, his career NBA high, 45 points against Boston on November 1st, 1980. Uh, and then he had nine regular season 40-point games in the NBA, uh, one in the playoffs, uh, and that, that was a really famous one against the uh, Portland Trailblazers, 40 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. Kind of gets forgotten in the shuffle but um, because, you know, the fact that the Blazers won that series, but that was a, a huge performance by him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is, of course, the very famous, you know, game six of the NBA Finals, uh, or Portland. Uh, they win by two, uh, win the first ever championship, and they cap off a, a pretty miraculous comeback, too, coming down 2-0. Uh, famous, obviously, from breaks of the game and, and and many other, you know, kind of a legendary season in NBA history. And, yeah, unfortunately, Julius Irving is one of his greatest games ever, uh, overshadowed by the Blazers winning that title and, and, and all that kind of surrounded that. But, yeah, 48-6 uh, in, a, in a game six where he had his team right there uh, potentially to win it, but they lose by two and, and, and lose the championship. So, uh, yeah, but... Uh, Julius being on this list, definitely super, super surprising. I mean, not and we'll talk about it a little bit, but like you would have thought at some point in those early you know days when he was still a superstar. I mean, still an unquestioned superstar. Not that he wasn't a superstar during his entire career, but I mean, he's coming still in the peak of his powers in Philadelphia. He's obviously the primary scorer. They have some other guys there, but still like not 50. He didn't get he couldn't get 50. Like it's just it's to me a little little shocking that, that Julius never got there. Yeah, and he was um, – he's another guy where, like, he was obviously a dynamic scorer, but he was – you know, he had kind of a balanced game. He did a lot of rebounding. You know, he was a fairly good defender. You know, did did quite a bit of um, 
other things. And, you know, early on in Philly, he played, you know, those teams had a lot of mouths to feed. You know, Warby Free, Doug Collins, George McGinnis, sure. all taking a lot of shots, especially McGinnis, um, for, for, for a couple years. You know, by the 80s, definitely the primary scorer, taking the most shots. But, you know, he had a lot of good players he played with. You know, Andrew Tony's emerging, Lionel Hollins, Bobby Jones, you know, Maurice Cheeks, Daryl Dawkins. None of them individually really taking a lot of shots. But, you know, combined, you know, you're, you're on a good team with a lot of players. You want to, you know, be sharing the ball there. Um, they were in the top half of the league in pace. A couple of those years, I think they were even like, you know, top five or so. Um, but they were maybe more of a defensive-minded team than, um, you know, than the kind of remember before I know uh, Curtis Harris you know, pointed that out when we were talking about the uh, our, our holiday special. We are talking about the uh, Celtics and uh, uh, Game 7, the Celtics and the uh, Sixers, of course, in, um, in 81. Um, yeah, and then by 83, you know, Moses Malone comes in. The team slows down, you know, uh, and then Moses and Tony and, and him are taking a lot, you know, kind of all taking relatively equal amount of shots. And then Barkley comes in taking a lot of shots too. So, and then Doc's, you know, in his early to mid thirties at that point. So it's less expected during, during that point. So, right, right, right. I would, I would assume after 83. Yeah. I, I'm not expecting that to happen, but right. I, I am kind of shocked that that, you know, the late seventies, early eighties or early, early eighties that, that at least one or two times. Cause I mean, there's a few years there where he's averaging, you know, 26 points in, 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 you know, 1980 he's averaging 24 a game in 1981. Like those seasons, you thought for sure that he'd be able to kind of get up to that, that, that 50, but yeah, he never quite does. So mm-hmm. That's uh, definitely a shocking one. Yeah, and, and his numbers dipped a bit, you know, kind of the 77 to 79 era where, you know, I, I know he's battling some knee injuries during that time. Um, and he's, again, the team context, I think, uh, changes that a little bit. I think he's playing a little bit out of position because he's, he's playing more small forward as opposed to, you know, kind of the – he used to play at least closer to the basket uh, than, you know, and he was kind of forced away from the basket a little bit more than he wanted to early on in his Philly days. But that kind of all rectified itself eventually, and, and he, you know, returned to MB, MVP form. And, uh, yeah, obviously a great scorer, but just not quite on the uh, 50-point level, at least not in the uh, NBA. We'll be talking more about the yeah. ABA ones, you know, later on in um, in, in a different episode, but uh, in, including – a 63 point effort but um but yes a, a, a little again a technicality but definitely a surprise for me yeah all right so that, that was fun that was a good little exploration there thank you snap wilson for uh getting us on this topic uh, a lot of guys that I, I would never have expected would have never had 50 point games that we're gonna talk about because we're gonna you know spend the next few episodes talking about a lot of guys that scored 50 points and a lot of prolific 50 point games and, and and a bunch of you know the stars of nba history but here's some top stars that just never quite do it never could quite get over that plateau so it's uh, it's interesting it's a really really fun topic yeah definitely so um appreciate that one and of course you know anyone who wants to you know throw us ideas whether it's 50 point episodes or anything else you know you can always find us on uh, facebook and twitter at over and back NBA in both places. So we uh, always enjoy uh, feedback. Uh, you, you, but we, we mostly enjoy feedback unless you're being mean to us. But that doesn't happen too often. We're, we, we, have, <laughs> no. we, we have nice fans for the most part. So Other than Cliff Robinson, I think everybody else really likes us. That's but true. Cliff, really, yeah, Cliff, Cliff doesn't like us at all. Cliff, so. Cliff's not a fan, <laughs> no, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> of all the people, we'd, uh, all the haters we'd have, I, I never in a million years would have expected Cliff Robinson to be the one that hates us the most. But well, uh, what can you do? Um, yes, we're at the uh, step back at fantire.com. Uh, you can find us there. You can find us on pretty much any uh, of the uh, of the services, uh, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, any of the popular ones. We always appreciate ratings and reviews. So if you want to throw us, uh, well, we appreciate good ratings and reviews. If you're going to be mean on there, which a couple people have been, then we don't we don't want it. But other than that, you know, we're uh, we're all good. Uh, so uh, thanks again for listening and we'll be back again soon.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.